0: Everybody, doing? We got a packed house here this morning. Maybe if you got any open spots, you can let someone know between you and your spouse, or maybe squish in a little bit. Uh, My name is Andy, and yeah, guys, it is um, my first Sunday as our lead pastor, and I'm kind of scratching my head. How did we get here, Lord? All right, but we're here, and man, I'm just, I'm grateful for how how God has been working in my heart through this process and in the life of our church over the past year plus. Um, John 13, 35, Jesus' words, 34 and 35. Jesus says this A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Hmm. Um, this is my first Sunday, and I, I wanted to, to share some things. I know we, I made some pledges and some commitments last week, as did our church family, um, but I, I do want to just start off this way, that uh, as your pastor, I'm committed to, to love you to care for you, to care for this body, to to care for not only the people who walk through the doors and call Living Stones their church home, um, but for our community as well, and and how we as as a unit, as a church, a local church, can um, love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. And uh, um, I'm going to have Walt put up a definition of love because we mess this up a lot, but I think I came across uh, a definition of love that I think really encapsulates what I mean um, when we look at true, godly, biblical love. Love is an act of the will to extend oneself for another's spiritual growth, okay? So my love for you, uh, for living stones, doesn't always mean I'm gonna say the thing that we want to say, right? Because God's word is truth, and we are gonna stand on God's word, which is truth, amen? And so, uh, just like my kids... If, if, I, if my definition of love for my kids was just to make them happy and to get them excited all the time, I could do that, but it would actually not be for their long-term benefit and growth. You guys following me here? And so I wanted to be really clear about that from the onset. The second uh, couple things are scripture. Second Timothy 2.15, if you're an Awana kid, you would know this Um, verse, it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That is my desire before you all, that I would be one who is diligent to correctly handle the word of truth. And then my next verse is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and this is really what Scripture exists for. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why is it useful for that? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? Amen? All right, got that out of the way. We're on the same page here. So anything that I say today is going to come from a position of that definition of love, of care for you and for myself. And I also want you to know this, uh, and some of you know me pretty well, that this is not coming from a position of, I've got this figured out. This is just as much for me as it is for anybody who has ears to hear in this room this morning. So you can flip over to 2 Peter chapter 1 or click there. That's gonna be our text for today. And as you're making your way there, I have a question. How many of you played sports in high school? Raise your hand. A lot of us did. Okay, how many of you as a part of your athletic um, career watched film, like reviewed your game film? Who did that? A lot less of us, right? <laughs> A lot less. Um, how many students in here today, athletes, I know we have several, who watch the film? Kai, Leif, watch the film. Rob, you guys watch the film. Those girls watch the film for high school basketball. Monty, you guys watching game film. You're, you're preparing for what? You're preparing for maybe the opponent that you're going to face next, so you're going to watch their film, but you're also watching your own stuff. You're breaking down the content of that film so that you can improve, so that you can get better, so that you can check on your your stance and be like, am I doing this correctly? Is there some way that I could improve? Now, I played sports through high school, but I also really got into music in junior high, and my brother and a friend of mine. Um, and myself, we started a band. And we practiced for months for our first concert, which was 20 years ago. And we filmed every one of our concerts. (laughs) It says my band's name on it. Some of the stuff's on YouTube. Um, But we would film every concert, or my dad would film it for us. Um, And why did we do that? Well, we wanted to watch back the performance, watch back the concert. And we were meticulous. And my older brother was extra hard on me sometimes, I think, um, wanting me to improve, desiring to be the best bandmate that I could so that I could be um, most helpful and useful for the band. There's like probably 12 different concerts on this, and this is the original VHS, all right? (laughs) I bought this brand new, uh, you know, you could buy a a packet of them or whatever at Walmart back in the day, and uh, we would record, you don't care, on a mini DV camcorder and then transfer it to VHS so that we could watch it in our VCR, because this was right when DVDs were becoming a thing, and we didn't have a DVD player yet. But we were relentless in our pursuit of getting better, in our craft, and today We're gonna do a little bit of that review, reviewing the film, but we're gonna be doing that with our lives. Um, And just like um, the metrics or the measurables, the things by which we measure matter in sports or in a band setting, they really matter when it comes to our lives. What does God's word say matters? Now, usually we wait till January maybe to do a message like this where we look back on our last year, but we're going to do it right now, and maybe next year around Thanksgiving time, maybe I'll teach the same message and we'll see if we've had any personal development, if we've made an effort to improve in our walk with Christ. So my question for you guys today is, have I made an effort to improve my life this past year? And more specifically, have I made an effort to improve my relationship with Jesus this past year? Have I grown in the characteristics and the virtues that matter to him? I'm not saying this to shame anybody or to condemn you. There is grace and there's forgiveness through the cross, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit as we get into the text. Um, But I want us to think honestly and openly, have I made an effort to improve Or do I find myself kind of just going through the motions of religion? Am I developing, am I cultivating a relationship with Jesus? So Peter here in the book of 2 Peter lays out some measurables for us. And we're going to walk through this text starting at verse 3. We're going to go through verse 9. I might stop myself a couple times and explain some things, but this is where... We're going to go. You guys with me? All right, cool. Verse 3. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So God has given us everything we need right here to know what it means to live a life, a godly life, a life that is honoring to him. Through these, through his own glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you and I may participate in the divine nature, seeking to be like God, be like Christ in our virtue, in in our way of life. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for this is this is good here for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure if you're growing in these qualities They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. What does it mean to be nearsighted? I'm nearsighted. It means I can't see what is far away, right? Things get really blurry really quick we forget the, long, the long-term aspect of why we're following Jesus, of the benef- some of the benefits of being a son or a daughter of the king, is eternity, right? So if we possess these qualities, in increasing measure, we will not be ineffective and unproductive. But if we do not, in increasing measure grow in these things, it is easy for us to become nearsighted and actually blind, forgetting that we have been cleansed from our past sins. All right, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we give you this time. We ask that your word would uh, do the things that you promise in your word that it will do, that you will accomplish your purposes as it goes out. God, um, you don't make that promise about anything else that I say or anybody else in this room says um, but you do make that promise about your word. When it goes out, it will not return empty, but it will accomplish your purposes. So we trust you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I like that. <laughs> okay, so we are, according to this, these verses, we are to make every effort so that we can be effective and productive. Now, just to be clear, I don't want you to think that we need to do all of these things so that we can earn God's favor, that we can earn our way to heaven, that we can earn our salvation. Those are free gifts that are given. Okay, so this past week, I started coaching uh, ninth grade basketball. Right, Kai? Kai, I think, showed up to practice, was a little surprised (laughs) that I was there. Um, uh, But here's the deal. The requirements to be on the team in ninth grade's C team the requirements are pretty easy. You know, go to DC, be in ninth grade, sign up for the team, pass your physical, boom, you're on the team. But the signing up for the team and joining the team automatically make you a productive and effective teammate? No, it doesn't, right? It does not. In fact, if you stop there and you just showed up for the games, you'd be a pretty lousy teammate. You'd be pretty ineffective in helping the team reach its goal. See, ninth grade, there's no tryouts. You just get to sign up and join the team. Vince Lombardi has this great quote. He says, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Why? Because when we get tired, we start to cut corners. When we're not diligent to, to focus on the fundamentals um, and we start to cheat a little bit because we're tired, because we haven't flexed those muscles, it's, it's not for our better, it's not for the team's betterment, it's actually for the detriment. And the same goes for us as followers of Jesus. We need to flex those spiritual muscles. We need to be spending time reading the word, spending time with the Lord so that we can become more productive and effective in our witness for Jesus and, our, and these qualities that we've read about. But we have to remain steadfast. 1 Timothy 4, 8a, the beginning part, says this, training the body has some value, but being godly has value in every way. When you surrender your life to Jesus and ask for the Holy Spirit to come in, that's pretty simple. It's a free gift that we have to receive to turn away from our sins and turn to God. We don't have to perform, there's no tryout. You don't have to train or get your life cleaned up and all your ducks in a row before you can come to Jesus. He simply says, come as you are. But when you do give your life to Christ, Christ, he begins a new work in you. He he starts to change you from the inside out. As you study the Bible, as you become a part of a church, as you grow in Christian community with others who want to see you succeed, who want to see you grow in these virtues because of your relationship with Jesus?
1: Hmm.
0: All right, look at verse nine here. Whoever does not have these qualities in increasing measure is nearsighted and blind. It's like your, your eyes and your mind are closed. And you've forgotten that you've been cleansed of your past sins. Peter's essentially saying the only way that you would not be increasing in these qualities that are mentioned here is if you've forgotten what Jesus has done for you. Ouch. Okay, maybe today you and I need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. We need to be reminded of the good news of the gospel. I'm going to ask you guys some questions just, think, just to think about and then, then I'm going to just walk us through the good news of Jesus, the gospel, okay? Looking at these virtues, these qualities starting in verse 5. Goodness. Am I learning to fulfill my purpose? Am I learning how to make moral, ethical, and right decisions that honor God and others? Knowledge. Am I learning to handle life successfully? Is my knowledge of God, His will, and His way growing? Am I operating more and more by His truth rather than my assumptions? Self-control. Am I learning to stop myself before I hurt myself or hurt someone else? Am I learning how to place a guard over my mouth and over my emotions? Am I more proactive than reactive? Perseverance, am I learning to not give up? Does it take more and more and more to make me quit than it did a year ago? Am I able to wait longer for God to intervene? Godliness, am I learning to live for God? Am I thinking about what God would have me to do or not to do? Am I thinking more and more about God's will regarding my life? My career, my family, my money, and my relationships? Am I growing in mutual affection? Am I learning to care for others, especially other believers? Am I having more and more affection for my brothers and sisters in God's family? Do I want to help them? Do I want to encourage them? And do I want to pray for them? And then love. Am I learning to sacrifice for others? Is my love not simply emotional? Am I getting stronger at loving even my enemies and those who hurt me? Some of those questions I got from a guy named Jeff Stott. He has a cool article about spiritual growth. Good questions, good soul-searching questions for us. Some of them could be answered probably by the person next to us, right? Right? Or maybe in the context of a small group, you could open yourself up. Hey, guys, am I growing in this? Have you seen evidence in my life that would um, prove that God is working in my life? All right. Why do we increase in these things? Because we remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember God's love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ, he died for us. John 3:16, super familiar verse, says this: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the good news. Everybody say good news. Good news. That is what we need to be reminded of, not just weekly or a couple times a month, but every day. The motivator for my life, and the motivator for your life should be what Jesus has done. For you and for me. Like I said, while we were still in our sin, when there was, when God knew there was no other rescue plan available, there was no works-based righteousness that would ever earn our way to a right relationship, a restored relationship with God, God intervened and He sent Jesus. I'm so excited, side note. Uh, We're we're kicking off our Advent season this next Sunday. We're doing a series called Make Room. What does it mean to make room in our life for the gospel, for others, for enemies, and so on? Um, I'm super excited about that, and I'd like to invite you to come back um, for that. But are we moved by what Jesus has done, or has it become so regular and routine. Yeah, I know that. I've, I've read that before, that we lose our awe of what God has done, that he has called us out of darkness into the light. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, through 10, um, says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's not by works so that no one can boast. God's grace His unmerited favor, he didn't give us what we deserved, which was his wrath because of our sin that separates us from God, but rather, he offers forgiveness through Jesus. And though we are not saved by any good works of our own, we are saved to do good works. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, when you place your faith in Jesus and you surrender your life to him and he deposits within you the Holy Spirit, he begins to change you and I from the inside out. And these virtues that we li- that are listed here in 2nd Peter start to be cultivated in our life. Um, but it takes work. It takes effort. The Bible says in Philippians 2, I believe, to Continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work it out. Continue to flex those spiritual muscles to grow in your endurance and your perseverance. Become diligent, careful, studied, smart in how you approach situations so that it would be a testimony of what God's doing in your life. We can switch those things around sometimes and be like, oh, I'll just do some good things to try to prove to people that I'm like a good Christian. And that's, Jesus, God obviously sees right through that. You can, we can trick one another from time to time on that. But uh, uh, God cares about our heart. And when he has our heart, he begins to transform us. And, and then the people around you, the people closest to you, you, get to become recipients of what God is doing in your life. So the truth is, the good news of Jesus, it's like a treasure, It is a treasure. It's priceless. And yet, we can lose sight of it in our everyday lives. We can make the gospel this religious experience rather than remembering that in a relationship as we come to the Lord every day. But I'm convinced if we want to be effective and productive, we need to be reminded of the gospel every day. And then the love of Jesus, when we have that right view, the love of Jesus compels us to walk as Jesus walked. Um, we can forget how precious this treasure is, okay? How many of you are familiar with Antiques Roadshow? Probably a lot of us, all right? You can go on <clears throat> YouTube, or maybe it'll be in your social media feed, these little clips from Antiques Roadshow. And I came across this clip, I don't know, several months ago, and I was able to find a version of it this week. But there's this guy, Ted, and Ted has this blanket. Maybe some of you heard of this. Um, and and he, he knows it was passed down from his grandma. She got it from someone. Um, but he doesn't really know what its value is. It's just kind of been there ever since he was a little boy. Um, his family, his grandma, they were farmers. They lived in poverty. Um, and yet this blanket, um, well, let's watch this video and check it out.
1: I just about died. It I'm still having a me, little bit of trouble breathing here, It Ted, took uh, me by surprise because I you know, didn't think much about it. It's the first type of chief's blanket made. These were made in about 1840 to 1860, and it's called a ute first phase. A, a ute? A ute first phase wearing blanket. A ute chiefs first wearing phase blanket. wearing blanket. But it's Navajo-made. They were made for ute <laughs> chiefs. And they were very, very valuable at the time. This is sort of, this is Navajo weaving in its purest form. The condition of this is unbelievable. Extraordinary piece of art. It's extremely rare. It is the most important thing that's come into the roadshow that I've seen. Um, Do you have a sense at all of what we're looking at here in terms of value? I haven't a clue. Are uh, are you a wealthy man, Ted? No. Well, sir, um, I'm I'm still a little nervous here, I have to tell you. On a really bad day, this textile would be worth $350,000. On a good day, it's about a half a million dollars. Oh, my
0: God.
1: And you had no idea. I had no idea. I just laying on the back of a chair. Well, sir, you have a national treasure. Wow. A national treasure. Gee.
0: (laughs) I watched that like seven times yesterday, and I still get goosebumps to think that this guy had no idea the value of that blanket. And yet we carry with us the greatest treasure of all, the gospel. We should be just as blown away as Ted. And here's the deal, that's from 2001. Um, That blanket was was purchased. Um, It's in the Detroit Art Institute it's been recently appraised, and its value is over two million dollars. Just It's a blanket. We carry with us the greatest treasure. But I think sometimes it would appear to people around us, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, that we have no idea the worth of this treasure. We set it on the rocking chair. We pick it up when it's convenient. We think about it every once in a while. Now, we are not perfect, right? On our own, the Bible says we are hopeless, unrighteous. We all fall short of God's standard, but Jesus came to pay the penalty and to make right the sins of you, to cover us with his perfect blood in the sight of God so that we may have eternal life, so that we can be forgiven. That is the perfect picture of love. That is the greatest treasure that any one of us could discover. And it changes everything for us. So, in light of that, are we making an effort? Are we making every effort, as Peter says, to add to our faith, to grow, to cultivate goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Something to think about. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise for while we were running away from you in rebellion, Christ died for us. Paid the penalty for our sins once and for all so that whoever believes, whoever calls on your name will be saved. God, and then you just call us to walk with you, to walk in the good works that you have prepared in advance for us. Lord, help us to cultivate our relationship with you. And may we surround ourselves with people who encourage us, who don't shame us or guilt us, but remind us of your love, which is the catalyst for transformation and change in our lives. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.